0: Welcome to Leadership on the Go, a podcast brought to you by the Cranfield alumni team, where we speak to former Cranfield students to understand their experience of leadership in real-world situations. Hi there. Through the brilliance of technology today, I'm sitting in Cranfield, and yet I'm interviewing Dr. Sarah Qureshi, who is sitting in Pakistan. She runs an exciting startup technology product business there, which aims to reduce the negative environmental impact of commercial airline engines. This business was a direct result of her PhD research at Cranfield. She's both a scientist and an entrepreneur. And today she talks about bringing these positions together whilst developing her own team. Why don't we start off with, um, why don't you tell me a little bit just about your time and memories of of Cranfield and your time at Cranfield. And in particular, the thoughts about what you learned about leadership at Cranfield. Uh,
1: Cranfield is a place you fall in love with. And But, you know, it was unique in a way. I think as a post-grad institute, it offered like an advanced maturity, I would say, which helps you to step into the uh, professional environment. You know, the the transition from the academic environment into the professional environment, I would say, is smoother just because there's more maturity as an institution, just being postgraduate only. And uh, I think they also offered like a, an interesting blend of academia and industry. I remember we had some teachers coming from the industry to teach us and they were not necessarily um, PhDs, but, um, you know, they brought back uh, decades of experience and maybe worth 100 PhDs or worth 10 PhDs if you yep. had gained that experience in a formal manner. And um, the another thing that I, I took from Banfield was that one, it did, did have like this um, input from the industry. And then secondly, they emphasized on the societal impact of right. your research and of your work. And Uh, you know, the, the commercial promise that it entails, because my supervisor was the first one to highlight this to me. He said that your research or your work does have commercial promise, so it should be taken further. How does
0: being an entrepreneur affect how you lead and manage your own team?
1: First of all, you know, you need to provide a vision, and then uh, secondly to generate that enthusiasm and and to get everybody to relate to that passion i would say or to that goal because uh, as people say i've heard a lot of people who work with numbers they say that entrepreneurship starts as a game of passion but then you know, the game of passion doesn't go very far on its own. Then you need to bring in those numbers and you need to bring in those, that money to take it forward. But then the origin is your vision and your passion. And that's where, you know, the, the concept of leadership comes in. And then secondly, um, as a leader, you have to bring about the best from others. You need to tap on their potential and to recognize because a lot of times there are a lot of people who don't even realize their own strengths. So, so you need to, you need to recognize those strengths as uh, they say, read between the lines and, and then bring that out of them. And then obviously you need to expand your horizons, your vision, your objectives. It's like, you know, if you want to grow, And then also as a leader, it's important to make sure that every person in your team grows because, you know, when you grow or your team grows, your company grows, your idea grows. And this is something I I felt when uh, I was doing my PhD with my supervisor, Professor Pelidis. It was a challenging PhD for me because, uh, you know, I was at times working overseas as well. I had my baby daughter during my PhD. I had to move. My husband was in Pakistan. I was in UK. I had to look after her. I had to, you know, at times move back to Pakistan, work from there. But he was very, very supportive. And secondly, I realized that he makes sure that everybody in the department grows. You know, he supports their potential and he, you know, he facilitates their growth and that's why the department itself is growing because when everybody in the department grows the department grows so so that's i think one lesson i learned there that you know i have to ensure that every single member of my team grows and recognizes their potential
0: and how do you make sure that happens as i would imagine the the day to day struggle is tough as an entrepreneur you know there is always lots of priorities so how do you make sure that every person in your team grows?
1: I wouldn't know how to quantify it, but, you know, the way people are, usually the, the conflict or the clash is usually a clash of personalities. It's, or, or rather the personality type. It's mm-hmm. like people come with different perspectives and obviously different biases as well. And then there is, a, you know, the, the, maybe there's a, the communication lag, Uh, they're they're unable to get their perspective across and also to understand another person's perspective. So it's just that we don't have a very big team, but obviously I I start with encouragement and growth and confidence building. And uh, with people, I, I try to highlight their strengths to them and to others. And then also making them realize that what you are doing is important. It is unique. It is you. If I could quote an example here, like I have, uh, you know, in our team, we have some people who are on the computer. They do a lot of uh, office work and maybe simulations and research. And then we have people, we have staff, which is working on the machine. They They have a skill set. And they they work on manual machines and they work on automatic machines. And sometimes they mention that we cannot, you know, we can't run those sophisticated simulations on computer or you can't go into deep research. I tell them, no, you know, what you are doing is unique. You have a skill in your hand, you know, you, you, you've got skillful hands and that's, that is rare. And that is important. And that's wonderful. I mean, that's, unique and it is equally important to the company i mean if we are making products we need skillful uh, workers we just don't need people who are sitting in the office that won't make i won't be able to make an engine like that so so all those things everybody is important all professions are important everybody's contribution is very important you know you need to make them like a part of it that they they have to uh, like I say that, you know, initially when I was uh, doing my PhD, I used to say like your PhD is like your your baby or your thesis is like your baby. You know, you you create it and you, you know, you you give so much of yourself to it. And then now I say that this company is our baby and, you know, the product that we are making is our baby and it's everybody's baby. It's not just my baby, it's my entire team's baby because they're all putting in that effort into it, yeah. So they have to own it. They have to connect it. They have to. Everybody needs to be associated with the tea, uh, with the company, uh, with pride. I would say. I, I think this this landscape is now changing because you know we have more of this. Uh, you know the the entrepreneurship landscape. So so the business training is not to geared for entrepreneurship it's geared for corporates and in the in the modern world now they say that uh, you know it's not about being big or small it's about the big will not eat the small the fast will eat the slow so the size of your organization does not matter but how aggressive you are and how quickly you adapt to changing scenarios that's that's what yeah so yeah so so i think your your perspective on leadership also fits into this category very well
0: that's really interesting tell me a little bit more about being a leader
1: i think with leadership it's also that you you need perseverance i mean real life situations and Real life scenarios are, I mean, this is all beautiful, like you know, the vision and the association, all that, but then you need perseverance, and then you one also has to take the pain to oversee every detail and you know, every task that I assign to the team. I mean, I mean, it makes a difference. My level of involvement makes a difference to it because sometimes you know, a lot of people think that as a CEO. It's not your job. And even a lot of people in in leadership roles, they they feel that, uh, you know, at the bottom of the pyramid, it's not your job. But that's what I felt, that it makes so much difference from the level of involvement that you provide if you, you know, take the pain to oversee. I mean, obviously, but then there's a very critical balance. You have to delegate authority you cannot grow if you are a control freak or if you want to keep everything under your control so i feel that growth is only possible if you do delegate authority and responsibility just overlooking things and you know assigning a task and then assuming that it would be everything would be sorted out perfectly that doesn't uh, you know help give okay your team confidence to take a challenge and make them understand the bigger cause and they must have clarity uh, and, you know, able to, um, you know, look into the future, challenging perceptions as well. By default, we are like trained into thinking in a particular direction. And then, of course, you know, the the adaptability to change. That's also a very important uh, factor to consider for yourself as well as for your team.
0: And again, that's a really interesting one. The question of adaptability just came up on something else this morning for me. How Mm. do you enable, how do you create that adaptability in your team members?
1: Mm. One thing that we do practice is try to avoid repetition and monotony. You know, the, the, the team is trained across a number of tasks because that, and that comes, I think, naturally um, into startups as well. Like one person has to wear many hats. Yeah. And then, but even with the um, skilled workers and everything, we don't try to confine them to a particular uh, machine or a particular design. So, There's like a job rotation. And then secondly, also letting them think on it in the sense that, you know, you invite ideas from everybody who's part of the team and you invite um, criticism, you invite ideas, you invite suggestions and everybody's feedback is welcome. And sometimes they're very useful because obviously the person who's like more deeply involved in developing the product or somebody who's looking at one part and he's like the whole day is working on one part. Obviously that person understands it much better than you do. Yep. So, and so you know, inviting feedback from that person is equally important as well.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, as an example, my daughter uh, named my company and um, probably because she was, Around uh, when I was at Cranfield, she was around four and she used to accompany me to a lot of places. Yeah. And um, I think she always heard mom talking about her work and projects and whatever. So when I was starting this company, so I was discussing with my husband what I should name the company and she came with, with a list, a long list of relevant names and wow. uh, <laughs> really and then, when he asked her what do you know about uh, Mama's project, she said, "I'm not giving it away." So she even understood that you know this is something that you know you have to be conscientious about it. And then she mentioned that now that you've set up a company, you need to push the money up and form a team. So as we were talking about invisible learning and and you know the the deep involvement so that's
0: that's very important that it, you know you have participation yeah, the entire team that's a great <laughs> lovely example, just as a four year old she was able to to see that happening around her fantastic you know everybody's got stories to learn from, everybody is a leader in some way, shape, or form so the the two basic core skills of coaching are listening and asking questions now we, we all listen and we all ask questions right mm-hmm. but Very few of us have actually trained ourselves to do that. You have the essence of a coach in you because you said your role is about bringing the best out in others, tapping Mm -hmm. into their potential, helping them recognize their own strengths. Well, those words are exactly what coaching is about. So, I mean, a a classic scenario in coaching is, is for someone to say at the beginning, I can't do something. You know, I don't know how to... Do presentations. I don't know, but you know something they'll say, and then later on you'll say to them, "No, no, you've just shown me that you can do presentations You've just given me an example, so you know, so actually you can do presentations, and it is just that that activity of drawing people's attention to things, which builds their confidence. Again, you referred to that earlier, and allows them to grow, and that's the essence of coaching. Well, thank you very much, Sarah. That's been really, really good. You have a wonderful rest of the day, and we'll be in touch. Thanks so much for listening today. Many of the ideas that we discuss on these podcasts link directly to my book with Jenny Robinson. It's called Coaching on the Go and is published by the Financial Times and Imprint of Pearson. If you'd like to learn more about me or about Jenny, please be sure to visit our website www.coachingonthego.co.uk or you can just jump on Amazon and search for Coaching on the Go where you'll find our book. Thank you for listening along with us. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this, you can find Leadership on the Go on cranfield.ac.uk forward slash alumni, where you can browse our complete archive and check out new episodes.